He's the Deacon Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. So, on the same note, when we think of evil, and like, this is, this is November, uh, October, so the scary movies are coming into Netflix and Amazon Prime or whatever your thing is, what are, some, what are the things that come to our minds when we think of bad things, evil things? Witches. Oh, yeah, the typical, well, right. Know, like, the typical. The, the ghosts, scary witches, right? Uh, but, try, alright, I want you to try to do this. Before we get into this, what does... If we could take out of all of God's creation, take remove God's creation out of the way for a minute, what does evil look like? What does it look like? Some of you are probably thinking, well, activities, a sin might be evil. Um, but what, if we could take out, like, um, you know, zombies, right? Zombies are evil, right? But zombies are humans. So humans are God's creation. So can you have a zombie without a human? Can you have a zombie without God making the human? What would be the zombie be if there was no human or animal to be the zombie? So there are zombie animals? I mean, I don't know anything about zombies. Uh, don't get too deep in this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is discussion. This is a new if, if, if we could take creation out of the way, God's stuff, what does evil look like? What does it look like? Okay? Now everyone's like, well... How do you objectify this? Because here's my goal today is I want to, I want, we're going to look at scripture for the purpose of freeing us from the popular beliefs and lives about evil. See, the problem is, is we give evil too much power and do not give God enough power. That's the real issue. As we grow in biblical truth, we will come to realize God has all the power. And the enemy has none, no power whatsoever. But first, let's talk about the traditional way people believe in good and evil. Okay? Uh, there's a couple stories I can derive from this. I'll just give you a few illustrations. I know as a kid growing up in a household that was barely religious at all, Things, religion was big scary statues, right? Um, that would, eyes would cry, tears of blood, and creepy things like that. It was, in the 70s, it was The Exorcist, or the 80s. I mean, how many of us have seen that movie? It made it to TV. It was on regular TV. I was a kid when that movie came out. And I remember one evening, my parents were out, and my oldest brother was babysitting, and he wanted to watch that. And he was trying to tell me and my little brother, we're kids, oh, you can stay up, because he didn't want to watch it by himself. He was too afraid to watch it by himself. So he was going to let us stay up to watch this terrifying I mean and as a kid that was that yeah. overwhelming I, I was afraid of the abominable snow monster in Rudolph okay <laughs> to give you an idea of my tolerance to fear I could literally get behind the couch which was against the wall when the abominable snow monster was coming after them and climbing over the mountains I'm like Aah! and then my parents were like Jeff you're 20 years old get out from behind the couch <laughs> Okay, not quite that bad, but scary movies or hurricanes devastating, the end is near. There's some rabbi, he's a messianic rabbi, which means he believes in Jesus, who's writing a book called The Harbingers, Harbingers, 
and he's showing how America's coming to an end and we're following Israel and here's all these signs and blah, 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 right? I don't necessarily agree. I think there's a pattern there, but I, comparing America to Israel is very unbiblical. Um, but you got these type of things that scare us and over to the other side where we now have this philosophy of, you know, what are the things that ease us? If we're stressed out at work and we have the stressful life, we want to go home and then you might be tempted to have a nice drink to ease things out. And I'm not saying drinking is a sin, but I am saying that too much drink is a sin. But we tend to go from this. Um, I take the kids to, uh, to catch crayfish at... Um, you know, Berkeley Springs. And the way we do it is you get a cup and you put it underwater. I've done this illustration before. And you get in front of the crayfish and you wiggle your hands and move it towards the crayfish. And what does he do? Right into that cup because they escape backwards. So you get the trap in place and you scare them right in. That's what the devil does. He says, hey, you know what's scary? Is the new scary movies coming out and that's what evil looks like. But this ain't evil. So once you've had some scariness, relax and have some fun. You only live once. Eat, drink, and marry for tomorrow we die. Have a good scary movie. Be afraid. Maybe do a seance. Do the Ouija board thing. Right? Do scary stuff, but then get relaxed. As teenagers, get together with your boyfriend, girlfriend, and enjoy some not evil. Right? And we tend to, so we go from here to here, and this is where the world lives. And this is the, they don't realize that this is more evil than this. Right? And this is fake evil. This is even real evil. One time I did this with a youth group, a junior high youth group in Pennsylvania. I said, it was youth group, it was, it was October, and I said, go outside in the church property and look for evil and bring back a report. And they went out and they started looking for evil. And they came back in 10 minutes later. I said, did you find some evil? And they said, yeah. I said, what? Well, the, the moon was through one of the, the trees that had no leaves. Okay, why is that scary? Well, because it's night and the full moon and the, and the trees with no leaves and the owls and we can see their eyes and somebody hung a tissue paper on a tree and it's a ghost, right? And, you know, then we take the string and we put it all over our porch and we call it a spider web, right? And we call that Halloween decorations. But is that evil? I personally like the view of a moon through the, the leafless trees. I think that's really cool, especially when the moon's brighter. And uh, Anyway. But our idea of evil is misconstrued. And a part of the reasons is, is we don't know who God is. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Believe it or not, the best way to figure out what evil is is to know who God is. But here's the schemes from the scripture. I gave you the illustration of it. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. This is, the, this is the capture cup. This is the goody cup. The devil comes disguised as an angel of light. He was the most beautiful of God's creation, right? And yet here's what happens. Talking about false teachers. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Okay, This is how the devil's luring us into what really is evil. 
He's saying this is good. And a lot of your ministers on TV, the prosperity preachers, these are evil, these prosperity preachers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. All right, And they're luring people in. Here's the other way, the Yola effect. And we look for hope and safety and security. You will find none of these things. All of our problems is in humans looking for hope, safety, and security apart from God. Because what do you call a jail? Maximum what? Security. Security. There is no freedom in security. Especially if, and I'm picking on a government now, if a government's going to promise you security, right? You already know you're heading down the wrong highway. What we want is individual responsibility and security do not go in the same sentence. But I got away from myself here. Galatians 5, 19-21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right? This is what people are flocking to. You ever heard of the burning man? Anyone ever heard of the Burning Man? That's 70,000 people go out in the middle of the desert and do this for days. Right? They even have their own temple that you can worship to any god there is. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. Here's the big lie. One of the big lies is good versus evil. And this, you ever seen this, the yin yang? Right? I've explained this in detail before. But the idea is that good and evil are equal and opposites. They're in the universe. There's darkness and goodness. And only them struggling together creates a balance. And this actually is the idea of softness and hardness, opposites of a whole bunch of different things. And you have to find that balance in yourself and blah, blah, blah. Right? That's evil. This is all a lie. Picture, the better illustration is if you've ever seen a dark spot on the sun. Okay, A dark spot is a solar flare that's come off from the sun and it's actually cooling. So it actually inhibits all the sunlight from reaching us. But the sun, the source of this ball of energy and light and this little tiny that comes out and gets obliterated again. That's the difference. God is the sun, and that little tiny dot is evil that will get obliterated in the end. That's the biblical balance. God and evil are not equal opposites. The true definition of evil, here's the kicker. Here's, here's where, even as Christians, we're gonna, this is going to rub you the wrong way. The true definition of evil is offensive to humans. And the reason is we love Not just like, we love the false definition of evil because it gives us perceived power and reduces God's power. At the end of the day, humankind wants to be in charge. That's evil. 
All right? And we don't want God to be in charge. We don't want God to be sovereign. We don't want God to be all everything. We got to have something in our pockets, at least a little something that's ours. We did it. It belongs to me. I emanate. I am this power. All right? That's what humans want and believe. But in order to go there, first we need to look at four attributes of God. And this is awesome. Get ready. This is great. Four characteristics of God. One, He is holy. Holy isn't just a decorative term we put on a song. Holy is, means God's complete and utter separation from His creation. All right? God is not dependent on us for anything. We're dependent on Him for everything. Everything. You can't sin unless God sustains you while you're sinning. Did you ever think of that? You can't even sin without God's stuff. Because it's God's stuff you and I sin with. God sustains us in everything, even our sin. Alright? There's a hint, by the way, of what evil is. God is immutable. Immutable means God does not change. There was a horror movie that came out a few years ago about angels attacking the earth and the... No, God was going to attack the earth and the angels decided to protect the earth from God. Okay, that's a problem right there, right? Christians who know their Bible go, right? That's bad. But in the first sentence, even in the preview of the trailer, it said, God has changed. Well, all right. Well, that's not the God of the Bible we're talking about. God is good. As humans, we hate this one. God is good. Right? And you're like, how can we hate that? Because God is good. And we're not. And a good God must punish sin. He's obligated to punish sin. Wait a minute, but, but I'm a sinner. Maybe I don't like this good God. I want a God who's going to wink at my sin and just look the other way. God is good. And God is eternal, which means before we were created and long after, God will be. God is. These four things are the foundation to help us see what evil is. First, God is holy. Isaiah 6.3 And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And I brought this verse up last week because it's pretty significant. Revelation says it too. This is the only characteristic of God that is mentioned thrice. Three times. Right? People like to abuse, well, God is love. Right? And they use it once and then they misapply it. Well, God is holy, holy, holy. He is so set apart from our ways and our plans. And, yeah, I think that describes it. Here's a few more about God's holiness. Psalm 77, 12 and 13 through 14. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. I love that. I think that speaks for itself. Let's talk about God's immutability. or immu- Yeah, He doesn't change. Psalms 102, 27. 
But you are the same, and your years have no end. There it talks about as eternity, eternality, and He's the same. Isn't it good to know that God isn't going to change? All right? God can't one day get up and said, I'm going to be evil. He can't do that. We'll come to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Psalm 33.11 The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. The counsel, His will, His plan stands forever. He is set in His plan. Alright? We tend to get the idea that God reacts to us. No. If He reacted to us, we'd be God and He wouldn't be. Do you understand? God doesn't go, oh no! In college days, when people are looking to get married in college, right? They're all looking for their, their happy loved one. If, but if I marry that person and not that person, then how would God manage that? Because I was supposed to marry that person. And if I didn't marry the person God had planned for me, then, then what happens? Because then they didn't marry the person, they, and then they didn't marry... And oh no, we messed up God's plans. Yeah, okay. Give God a little credit. He's bigger than that. All right. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. That really hits his holiness pretty good. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Hmm. Do you think God's pretty steadfast in His ways from that? Is that, is that ambiguous? Does that make us go, yeah, but yeah, He doesn't mean it. All right. Let's look at God being good and unchanging. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom, this one's a pretty slam dunk in the pocket, there is no variation or shadow due to change. God does not change. And he is good, and he supplies everything perfect. All right? That's just is when we talk about God. God is good. Mark 10 18. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now hang on to your boots for this one. Because this, this covers a universal uh, word or two. No one is good. Have you ever heard someone say, Why do bad things happen to good people? There's your answer. Do you see it? Why do bad things happen to good people? What does the Bible say? No one is good. Really? If you said that to Jesus... Why do bad things happen to good people? He'd say, no one is good except God alone. That's the answer. Jesus would say, show me a good person and I'll show you, if, and you know, we'll see if there's a problem. 
Ah, uh, no, not that one. No, not that one. Okay. Psalm 86.5. For you, Lord, are good. Got it? Pretty good? <laughs> Pretty clear? And ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Isn't that awesome? We're going to keep going. I got more. I'm just going to shower you in the character of God for a few minutes. So hang in there. First Chronicles 16.34 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And for His loving kindness is everlasting. How long is everlasting? It's a pretty long time. Okay. Psalm 106.1 Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. Hey, I'm seeing a pattern here. Are you guys seeing a pattern? Why do you think that is? You think God wants you to know that? Okay, God is eternal. Job 36.26 Behold, God is great, and we know Him not. The number of His years is unsearchable. Okay? How can we truly know an infinite God? How long would it take us to get to know an infinite God? Eternity. And that's what God promises to those who are His. An eternity to get to know an eternal being. Which means that will keep you plenty busy. There is no such thing as boredom in heaven. Psalm 48.14 That this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Do you think there's an emphasis on a long time here? What a great God. A few more. Isaiah 40.28 Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Isn't that crazy cool stuff? Now think about this. Think of all your, your atheist friends who think they're smarter than God, right? Well, i got a question for God. Here it is, right? Oh, atheists think they got the God stumped with this question, right? If God is so good and loving, then why is there evil in the world? Right? That is literally the creature standing in God's hand going, You're not good! Right? Hello, you're not good! Right? Right? That's all God has to do. Right? We're this. <laughs> what an illustration. But it does say it's terrifying to fall into the hands of the living God, the unrepentant. All right? In view of what God is, what we just read... Um, we can now look at what evil is not. Because for the Christian, there's no such thing as the problem with evil. That's, I think that's pretty evident. Because even an atheist, an atheist will ask this question. 
Guess what the atheist is acknowledging, if he even dares ask this question? He's acknowledging there's a God, but he's acknowledging there's a bad. Well, if atheism is true, there can't be a good or a bad. It can't exist. Because it's just opinion and preference. So, here it is. 1 John 2, 15-17, Evil is not from God. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Alright? So first of all, evil's not from God. So let's take a look at what, what is and isn't evil. So what is evil? And what does it look like? And I asked you to name, already, we already did this, something that is evil that does not include God. We think of a haunted house or a scary face, right? It's always something that corrupts God's original creation. You know, God didn't make the house, but humans made the house. But what makes the house scary? When it's rickety and it's abandoned and there's movement in there when there shouldn't be and something's not right. Uh Uh-huh. Get it? I'm going to hint. A scary face. Well, where'd the face come from? Who made the face? Can anyone tell me who designed the face? God. But what makes a face scary? It's when we corrupt it, when we malign it, and when we make it look mean. Mean face is a scary face, right? When we corrupt the original design. Now here's the two things which evil is not. And this is where this this is going to offend some of you because this is what evil is not. Evil is not a thing, and evil is not an ability. These two things is where people are holding a secret power in their pocket. I can do evil. Right? And now you're the you're Dr. Evil, right? Or you're the you're whatever, a king trying to take over the world or whatever. I can do evil. Right? And a lot of human beings live like that. And they think evil is some sort of an ability and a thing. So let's look at this. Evil is not a thing. It's the corruption or deprivation of what is good. Okay? You cannot make a definition of evil without a definition of good. And I'll try to illustrate that. Here's one. Rust on a car. You have a car, you have a rust. If you have a car with rust, you have a rusty car. But what if you take away the car? What do you got? Rust. Rust. Okay? Well, what is rust other than, you know, oxidized metal? But, but what good is it? The original design was a car. So if evil could totally take over, what would be left? Nothing. Because evil's not a thing. Okay? Sour milk. If you take away, if you, you know, you have milk and you make it, take away the milk and you just have sour, you have sour what? Sour nothing. It needs the milk to be sour. 
It's a thing. Okay? And we have that universal, the law of entropy. All right? Your car is not fixing itself while it's sitting in the parking lot. It's breaking down, right? How many of us go to the dentist and get a drill and fill? Good times, right? Javin raised his hand on that. Okay? The law of entropy. Or even the devil himself has good attributes. We just discussed. He was the most gorgeous angel ever made. He has a will. He has a mind. He has some sort of spiritual body, right? Aren't those good things? If he's the epitome of evil, what's he doing with that? How do he get that? And why has he still got it? If he's pure evil, then why does he still have God's stuff? Are you digging it? This is blowing your mind, isn't it? Evil depends on good God for its existence. You can have good without evil in a universe. You cannot have evil without good in the universe. There will be a day when there will be no evil in the universe. God's going to flick it all into a little pot called hell and it's going to simmer and cook there for eternity. And everything will be perfect. There will be no more pain, no more tears, no more sadness. Who likes apples? Sure. You've had your full of apples, I'm sure. Last week. Okay. Here's the same illustration again. We got an apple, we got a rotten apple. Can you have the rot without the apple? Can you have the apple without the rot? There it is. There's your definition of evil. People think this is an ability. Now, people calling this an ability says this. I could be a rotten apple. I could be a good apple. I have the power. Right? For me, some of us in this room have corrective lenses. If I take out my contacts, I can't see you. So who doesn't need glasses or corrective lenses? Okay? So I can do more than you because I can't see and I can see. Is that logical? No, that's dumb. Right? But that's what we say. When we say I can choose evil or good, well, guess who can't choose evil or good? God. There was literally a theologian, I saw a debate between an Arminian and a Calvinist, and the Arminian literally said, because the, his theology was based off him, and because he thinks evil's an ability, and he can do good or evil, he said God could do good or evil. He literally said, but God chose not to do evil. I'm like, oh my blasphemy, dude. That's hell-ridden nastiness you just spewed out of your mouth. That's blasphemy. Because we already showed that God cannot do evil. It's not in His ability. Because evil is not an ability. The definition of evil is dependent on the foundation of what is good. Evil is anything that is less than perfect. Obedience to the great command. What's the great command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Anything less than perfect a love and obedience to God is evil. Okay? And by the way, that's a command. So our neighbors who aren't here because they're not loving God, they are obstinately breaking God's law. They're telling God, no stinking way am I going to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in the depths of their heart... They are blowing God's command off. 
And they might not know it until you corner them. You corner any atheist or any indifferent person, and at the end of the day, you corner them, and they will blow up on you because of their hatred towards God. But look at Romans 3.23. How many people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Just some? Because people are basically good but do bad things, right? That doesn't make any sense and not biblical. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, God is the standard for what is. And believe it or not, we're almost done. Thank you very much for hanging in there, everybody. John 8.57-59 So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. Okay, Jesus was talking about seeing Abraham. Abraham from way back in the Old Testament, Abraham. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly. Now remember, anything Jesus said is the truth. But when Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's Jesus saying that. Do you think he's declaring something about himself that's pretty significant? <laughs> they got it. So they picked up stones to throw at him. They should have fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But because they hate God and they, they love their evil and they thought Jesus was blaspheming, they tried to kill him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. He declared deity. Jesus declared the eternal God. Jesus declared, I am God. Before Abraham was, I am. Isn't that crazy? Okay, here it is. The last point I want to punch out one last time. Evil is not an ability, it's a disability. God is the standard of ability, not you and me. And so we want to make sure our theology of what our abilities or non-abilities are come from God, not us. God cannot do evil. God has no power to be or do evil. Because evil's not an ability. God is the essence of ability. God is the essence of good. God is the standard, the definition, and all that is good is God. It's not just His character, it's His nature. Now that's why I mentioned those four attributes of God. Here it is again. God is eternally, unchanging, good, and holy. If these are true, plus it says God cannot lie, so just to give you an idea, then evil is not an ability. You've got to let that sink in. Because we don't want to define ourselves as some creature and we pull evil out of our pocket and go, well, I could be evil today, or I could be good. Look at my power. Well, God can't do that. God's not waking up today and going, I could be... No. Because that's wrong. Evil is just... It's it's the lack of ability. It's a disability. Okay? Now, we end with this. Jesus calls humans evil. We tend to overlook this one because Jesus uses it in the teaching of giving good gifts to your children. 
And he says this about humanity. He's talking to Jews in general. But he says this in 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, give, good, good things to those who ask of him? His, his pre- it's just built right in there. We overlook it. Uh, if you then who are evil... He's talking about the Jews. He ain't talking about me. He's talking about that. Right? And isn't that how we think of other people? Talk about that. Right? Here, we're going to end with this. Check this out. Last two slides. In heaven, Christians will not be able to sin. You will truly have a free will. A will free of the corruption of this false ability. There won't be a day. You're going to wake up in heaven and there won't be a thought in your mind uh, corrupt anything in you. You're going to get up, you're going to go down the street, you're going to skip, you're not going to fall, right? You're going to get in your car, you're going to turn it on, it's going to work, right? It'll be a great day every day. Yeah. And not a moment will go by, oh, I wish I had more abilities. I wish I could be evil today. It'll never be there. Never. That's Freedom. So when with this? We're coming into Halloween season. Your friends are going to say, come to the Halloween party. We're going to watch some scary movies and downstairs. We're going to stand you upside down, drink some cakes, and do that fun stuff upstairs. But here's where James leaves us, or God says to us, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I want to illustrate that really quick, and then we're done, done, really. If this is evil, right, and this we'll say this is God, this is what it means to submit to God and resist the devil. It doesn't mean I go, you bad devil! Like in in the war movie that we watched a couple weeks ago, the girl's praying and she reads this, she prays to God, and then she starts praying to the devil. And it's like, she wasn't praying to the devil. Yeah, she was. She was going downstairs going, Devil, get out of my house! You get out of here, devil! This house belongs to Jesus! Well, I don't pray to the devil. I don't look at the devil. I just submit to God. Submit to God. And when you do that, look what happens. I'm submitting to God. Where's the evil? Am I resisting it? Because I'm running from it. Right? I don't pray to the devil. I pray, God, whatever it is, get it out. Just get it out. Get the sin out of me. Get the evil away from my house. Protect my home. Fill my home, Holy Spirit, so there's no room for anything else. And all attention goes always and only to God. And that's how we um, resist the devil. is by fleeing to God. Does that make sense? Let's pray. That was a lot. Thank you very much for holding on. Whew! Father... Thank you for your grace and mercy, the depths of your truth and your word, and the patience of these folk to hear so much of your goodness. Oh, Holy Spirit, let us sink in, and that we would love and worship you and submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakandeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Speakandeacon.com. Truth is here.